Hello, this is Susan. Hey, it's Melissa. Hey, Melissa. How are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? Kayla Gordon, Jeep Roberts, and Susan Bolio have started a journey. They're shaking loose from depression, addiction, and dissociation, and walking with more laughter, lightness, and love. They struggle with the same difficult feelings many of us have, but this is the story of their work to heal. They are acknowledging the trauma that was passed down to them as children. So now they are raising their children and grandchildren, knowing the importance of being a buffering adult, a caring person who expresses love and helps their children manage tough times. They already know how to laugh, show them it's all right to cry and to hug too. We start because of COVID-19 on the phone. At the doctor with my grandson, Bo. Jeep Roberts is a member of the White Earth Band of Ojibwe. He lives in Pine Point, a small village on the White Earth Reservation in northern Minnesota. Jeep is telling me and Susan Bolio about his recent visit to the Indian Health Services Clinic. He had to take his eight-year-old grandson, Bo, who he calls Bobo. And Bobo was wondering what they were going to do to him and so on. I said, well, I don't think they're going to do anything, you know. I think they want you to pee in a bottle for him. But he was worried about it, so he comes sat on my lap and and, mm. and holding him, and uh, and he just started crying. And I said, "What's wrong, Bobo? I mean, he ain't even did nothing to you." And, and he was so worried about what the doctor was going to do to him at the time. Mm-hmm. And all the doctor did was come in and stethoscope into his lungs, and and that was it. And you know, after the doc left. And, and we're sitting there, I was talking to him about it, and he said, well, uh, they didn't do nothing. Did it hurt anything? No, no, it hurt. How did you feel when he started crying? Um, just like any parent, you know, any parent does not want to take their kids to see a doctor. I mean, I mean, that, um, probably part of why they're scared of a doctor, I guess. Got it. So you don't like the doctor? Oh, no, no. Yeah. Can I add something quick to that, Melissa, about doctors? Because, yeah, you know, right. Susan Bolio is a citizen um, of the Red Lake Nation. She and Jeep have known like each other for decades. She works with tribal communities on strategies to heal from historical trauma and ACEs, adverse childhood experiences. We can't always, like, draw a perfect line back to historical trauma. But I know I've heard many, many stories uh, related to IHS and really, really terrible care. And um, and that that's a, that is an issue in our communities. IHS tends to be really underfunded. And so the experiences that a lot of our people have had has not been a good one. I've met a handful of Native physicians who are working to provide better care at IHS and tribal clinics. But like Susan says, over the years, many Native people have experienced malpractice and wrongdoing. So I can imagine, especially during the COVID-19 pandemic, people are dealing with a lot of fear and distrust when they need to see a doctor. So there sit Jeep and Bobo, both scared and worried. And I can see how Jeep puts his own fear to the side. Bobo can crawl into his lap and cry. And I just pictured just the love and tenderness in that action that he feels like he can do that and he can do that. I mean, that's just incredible. You know, that's something that that I needed to do for, for them, really. I think for any adult, it can be incredibly hard to put your own feelings on the back burner and pay attention to someone else's worries and fears. It can be 
even harder for adults with a high number of ACEs, or adverse childhood experiences, that caused a lot of trauma. Susan Bolio explains. When we experience lots of trauma in childhood and we don't have that buffering adult, what tends to happen is our nervous system gets dysregulated. What that means is you see threats everywhere. You live on high alert. You're always ready for something catastrophic to happen. If I'm not aware of what's happening and the emotions that are coming up for me, then I'm, I'm just going to react. That reaction might be shutting down, checking out, getting depressed or anxious. None of this is your fault. You can see how all this is related to historical trauma in our Native communities. Catastrophic things did happen, and people were told to shut up about it. Even today, told to get over it. But there hasn't been the opportunity to deal with the emotions and the memories. The fear and grief, loneliness, anger. And that means the trauma just keeps getting passed down. Jeep says we all know that boarding schools punish kids who showed their feelings. You know, I I think of it as going back to, you know, the historical trauma part of it. Um, That's the way we're taught to deal with it, I think. so. Mm. So not talking about feelings, like even like, I love you? Yep, exactly. Yeah. But here's the thing. You can get a handle on this. You can re-regulate your nervous system and change your reaction. Native and non-Native therapists write about a number of ways to do this. For Susan Bolio, she practices mindfulness, where she works to notice her feelings and make decisions about what she wants to do. When I do presentations, I talk about how emotions are sensations in the body. And we often feel the emotions as sensations in the body before we even realize what emotion it is we're feeling. So if we can start to pay attention to when I'm feeling sad, where do I feel that in my body? When I'm feeling frustrated, where do I feel that, right? So when we have that feeling or sensation in the body, we can know quicker like, oh, I'm starting to feel frustrated. And in that moment of awareness, suddenly we have the opportunity to choose. You know, how do we want to respond? How do we want to show up in the moment? Like when Bobo is curled up crying in Jeep's lap, Jeep acknowledges his own feelings, and then he makes a decision to be there for his grandson. He can talk about his feelings later with a friend. And because Jeep is able to do that, this will not be a traumatic experience for Bobo. Even though he was scared, he had a buffering, caring adult who let him share his feelings. When you're calm, the kids calm down, right? That's sort of like how we're connected and our brains are connected and sort of wired wired into one another, even though we're, you know, separate physical bodies. I always think that's so powerful. And I always remind myself of that when my kids are getting all like, you know, um, super dysregulated, sort of checking back in with myself. Like, where's my, how am I regulated right now? Oh, hell. All right, hold on. <laughs> Jeep says this is something he has learned how to do with his grandkids. That kids say it all the time. No, I mean, they'll come up to me and they'll give me a big hug and tell me they love me and so on. And Aww. So, <laughs> so they're teaching me how to do that. But <laughs> Do you say it back? Of course I do. I got to. <laughs> Jeep has told me before that when he was growing up, no one said they loved each other. They all assumed they did. They just didn't say it. Um, love is very hard for for me at the time, I'd say it was a very hard word for me to say. But now, nowadays, you know, I think that's, that's a big part of, 
of um, connecting. And, uh, He's thinking about his 10-year-old grandson, Cameron, who he calls Cam. I, I couldn't tell you how, how important it is now, I guess. I mean, when, my, uh, when Cam says it to me, yeah, it's just <laughs> amazing the way it makes you feel good in your heart. Your heart feels better and warmer and so on, too, so... I'm picturing an older man saying I love you to a young boy in a safe and respectful way. I don't think we see that a lot. When Susan is talking about, you know, paying attention to emotions and and where you feel those emotions in your body, Jeep, I think about you as a man. (laughs) And like, stereotypically, men don't talk about feelings as much as women do or pay attention to that kind of stuff. Does that feel like a comfortable subject to talk about, going deeper with how you feel about things? Um, no, it doesn't, actually. I mean, I tend not to get too emotional on that part of it, I guess. Mm-hmm. Try not to deal with it. <laughs> yeah, I guess I don't know what to say about that. It just feels like it's not something that we teach our boys a lot, I think. And yeah. and then men grow up and it's there's like an extra barrier there to sort of getting close in that way. Yeah. I could probably go on and on and on about that because I think it's such a it's such a toxic and damaging sort of cultural norm. Our our men and our boys are asked to shut down basically one whole part of who they are. You know, we talk about as indigenous people, we're spiritual beings in a physical body having thoughts and emotions. And our men today are allowed a really, really limited range of emotions that are okay to show or to share. Susan says when men shut down emotionally, their children and grandchildren aren't getting the love and affection they really need from them to thrive. Trauma is passed down. It's a long line of historical trauma and ACEs that move us to bury our feelings. So I think it's a really, just a really, really damaging norm that really needs to be blown out of the water because it's really unhealthy for everyone. Jeep, do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I sure do. Uh, I definitely um, agree with, you know, everything Susan said there. One of the things, you know, know, just hugs alone, I mean, is is a big thing. Um, Mm -hmm. I always remember, um, was actually one of Susan's things that, you know. Jeep is remembering something Susan said in the ACES workshop she led a few years ago. Where, by the way, he was the only man in the room. You know, you can hug somebody, but how long you hug them for makes a difference. Yeah. Do you, do you remember how many how many seconds the hug the hugs were supposed to be? Uh, no, I don't want to ask you. It's a while, though, right? Yeah. So seven seconds. Okay. Yeah. What they found th- with the research is, um, so like a seven second hug or handshake or like hand on the shoulder. Um, after seven seconds, that's when the body starts to release oxytocin, which is the body's sort of love chemical, that feeling of connection and closeness. Oh. So it takes about seven seconds for the body to start producing it with physical contact. Oh. So if you hold it for 14, you get double the dose? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. I <laughs> on to that kid for a full minute. Your life is going to change. Yeah, yeah. I think 14, though, with a man, it's kind of... I don't know, it gets weirder than after that, I think, so. (laughs) It gets weird long before 14, but yeah. (laughs) I can see, you know, that that sort of homophobia, the fear of like being called gay or being thought of as gay is such a big part of that that culture around men being 
you know, isolated. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. You know, I just want to kind of for the last point, maybe I know Susan needs to run here in a few minutes, but, you know, when Susan mentions this buffering adult, right, you can go through trauma, but if you have somebody there who is on your side and can help you process what's happened, you know, you're going to be way better off. And Jeep, that is you. I mean, every time you tell a story about your grandkids, like you are motivated to just be that person in their lives. Mm-hmm. I just think we should celebrate that. Yeah. <laughs> oh. All that you've done to be something different for them. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's one thing, um, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm glad Susan came on today because there's, there's a few things I still got to work on as far as the feelings part of it, you know, sitting there with Bobo yesterday and then not criticizing for crying or whatever like that there, you know, just holding him. But, yeah. I mean, there's a couple other things that, that I should be working on as far as, you know, knowing my own emotions and so on, knowing my own body and mm-hmm. feel, you know, what's going on with myself. And, you know, once I deal with myself, you know, I'd be better dealing with uh, the rest of my family. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I'm definitely going to start trying to work on them two parts, I think. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Miigwech. Take care. And we'll talk to you both Bye, soon. Susan. Bye. A few weeks later, Jeep and I are back on the phone. And he tells me he's not the only buffering adult for his grandchildren anymore. After years of struggling with addiction, his wife and his daughter are both sober. It's a huge accomplishment. He tells me that he asked his wife, Lorraine, the other day what made her decide to get sober now. She said she was missing out on too much with the grandkids. And now, Jeep says, she's showering them with love. Watching her with with the grandkids now, I mean, it just makes you smile and makes you cry at the same time. You know, how they um, adore their grandmother Mm -hmm. last night. uh, They were doing her homework about 8 o'clock at night, you know. And she's right there, sort of the school teacher, you know, that gets them all sitting at their table and then and, and doing their homework and getting it done and so on, too. So I see, you know, after you know, the last couple of years where she was around, but my kids knew they were on drugs and so on, and, and they tolerated it, the kids did. Now, the other morning, was, uh, about a week ago, I got up and uh, Carol Jean and Lorraine sleep together. And Carol Jean was right next to her, um, uh, had her arm around Lorraine's neck, you know, holding on to her. <laughs> Pretty cool. They're both sleeping, but you know, they didn't realize they were hugging like that. I want to say congratulations to Lorraine and Candace for nearly two years of sobriety. How amazing. And it sounds like the kids are happy to have you back. Okay, Melissa. Sounds good. Have a great day. Oh, you too. Okay, bye. When we started this series, Susan Bolio said, when you shut off the hard feelings, the sadness and anger and grief, you also shut off the happy feelings, the love and affection and joy. Jeep is turning those feelings back on. He's always known how to love people, but now he's learned how to say it. And it's making a huge difference. Not to mention the very, very, very long hugs. (laughs) Next time... It's one thing to learn to say, I love you to your child. It's another to say, I love you when they're throwing a fit. Kayla figures it out. Join us next time. 
This is A Mile in My Moccasins on Niji Radio, serving the White Earth Nation. I'm Melissa Townsend. Shimigwech, and thank you to Kayla Gordon, Chief Roberts, and Susan Bolio for sharing their stories. Kim Lage, KJ Henschel, Maggie Rosu, Leah Lem, and Aaron Warhol for editorial contributions, and Dan Luke for some of the music in our series. Programming is made possible through a grant to the White Earth Land Recovery Project from the Minneapolis Foundation Catalyst Initiative, and with support from Ampers, Diverse Radio for Minnesota's Communities. To hear more episodes in this series and to learn more about collective trauma, ACEs, or adverse childhood experiences, visit whiteearthhealing.org. That's whiteearthhealing.org. Take care.